Welcome to the Influent Podcast, developing leadership, building success, and influencing society. For more resources, visit us online at influent.life. All right, here we are back again, second week with Marsha Huber. And Marsha, we talked last week, uh, is a professor of accounting and had a CPA firm and is also one of the leading researchers and award winning every single award you can win in, in it seems like accounting and uh, and uh, your leading researcher was a visiting scholar at Harvard and um, but we, we talked last week and it was so cool about uh, about really uh, a life transformation that you've had starting 11 yeah. years ago and it was really where you we talked last time about how you bought time and how yep. you you started connecting with the Lord mm-hmm. and you started really walking with him on a daily basis and started bringing him into your life. Mm-hmm. You shared how you didn't see a lot of value in what you did as accounting mm-hmm. as spiritually in mm-hmm. the sense it seemed like kind of a, a mm-hmm. wasteland and all of a sudden yeah. the Lord how the Lord shifted you where he's into your stuff, you're doing research, or you're happy, you're joyful mm-hmm. versus this kind of harassed, exasperated person. Mm-hmm. And so it's really amazing mm-hmm. how you how you connected with God and and those things and and what happened out of all that place. It's in you know this this site uh, influent.life is yeah. really about becoming. Yeah. And first of all, becoming who you're called to be. And you you really did. We shared about that last time the becoming yeah. piece. Mm-hmm. And then the second piece is build success and mm-hmm. influence society. And I want to talk this week about the build success mm-hmm. and influence society because you're Marsha, you're such an example. I mean, you really you started connecting with the Lord. Yeah. You bought yeah. time. You simplified yeah. your life. Well, then what happened is your career went from kind of this mediocre kind of yeah. just a, running along for the ride to yeah. honestly, yeah. you are super well known in in a small world. I mean, yes, you, you right. Know, in this right. world of accounting, yeah. but you've been on the cover of magazines recently, yeah. right? So, and you, you've won. How many awards have you won? I don't know. So and, many. And, and, <laughs> they just keep coming. It's a blessing. Famous papers, and you know, so it's just amazing. Yeah. What's what's happened? So talk about this transition. Yeah. Well, you started coming alive. Just start start there. Your heart started coming alive, and you were you had a you you, yeah. you, you were being persecuted and. And this whole thing happened at work. So walk us through what began to happen, how you build success. You know, it, it actually started December 2005, about six months after my first Joseph company. I went to a faculty development seminar, and I heard a guy speak about teaching. And it, it I don't know, it, it gripped me. It, I just, I totally redid my teaching in one night. I stayed up all night, redid my classes. And I think at a core of it, it's love. You know, it's love for my students, okay? Instead of, um, you know, because that's, you know, what's more core to Christianity than love. And um, and so I just changed everything. And the Lord had the Lord had challenged me when so I was... You started changing the way you, you were teaching. T- that's where it started, changing and, the way I taught. And to what? What do you mean about love? What does that mean? Um, well... Teaching, the Lord said to me when I was kind of complaining about students or hearing other people, that happens a lot. We complain about the young people. Okay. The Lord said to me, So they're not paying attention right. or they're not engaged, selfish, not engaged they're whatever. whatever. And the Lord said to me, What does your contract say? He said, You sign a contract every year. I said, Yeah. He said, What does it say? I said, Well, I'm you know, supposed to teach these, these students. He said, That's right. He said, You're to figure out how to teach them. 
Wow. It's not about making them come to you. It's about you figure out how to teach them. Wow. And he said, I'll show you how. Be a better teacher. It's, wow. it's, and, and then I started changing things, and that's what I got awards for. The innovations I came up that one night won awards for um, introductory accounting and tax. And some of the innovations were kind of goofy. And I couldn't even believe they won awards. Like what? Like this thing called the shoebox case where I came up with this idea like, okay, you go see your accountant, you take all your stuff in a shoebox, and you take you give it to your accountant. So I thought of the shoebox case. Like, okay, instead of my creating a case for the students to solve, and I gather a lot of feedback. Students didn't like my I came I would used to give them this mega tax return and they hated it. And it was in the term. And the only one who liked it was me because I authored it <laughs> all wrapped up in my ego. And um and it wasn't working. And then so I got that idea. I said why should I create the case? Why not have them create a case, use original documents, throw it in the shoebox, and then we'll exchange in class. I'll put them in teams. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So they created a shoebox. Each the students created a shoebox yes. full of, and the, this is kind of an accounting joke, right? It's the, the, the customer, the, the business guy brings you a shoebox full of receipts, yes. mm-hmm. and you're supposed to figure it out. That's right. And so, so you had a student create a shoebox full of receipts and give it to another student. Okay. Exactly. So cool. So this was the innovation <laughs> yes. in the classroom. That's right. And the kids loved it. Yes. And so, so what is love? I don't understand how love comes into this. Is it, you mean loving, the, loving to teach? And loving, loving, the, loving the students. Loving, the loving students. them. Wow. Seeing the value in them, and 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 sometimes, honestly, they tick me off. I mean, I want to lecture them. I want to sometimes say, "What are you doing?" And the Lord always stops me. Like one young lady asked me to compromise myself ethically recently. It was something simple. It, you know, she she wasn't sick, but she was going to get an excuse, so she'd get out of the test. I don't know. And I'm like, "Well, I know you're not sick," and 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 I wanted to lecture her, but the Lord told me not to. You know, he he. And, and I watched this young woman. She, I actually made her my personal assistant to help me organize my time. She's very organized. And I could see her progression from not believing in God at all when I first talked to her. And now she's spiritual, mm-hmm. not religious. But I see the change. And it's just looking at them, understanding that they have lives. And when I don't like something, instead of coming to a conclusion, making assumptions, ask them what's going on. Like, right. I had some students leaving early, and I was getting angrier and angrier. I, I was going to give them this nasty, nasty email, and I have it in my syllabus. I can take points away from you if you irritate me. <laughs> I do. <laughs> but instead, I wrote them, and they, all three students wrote me, thank you for asking. You know, they, they had to go to work. It was always work-related. Wow. And so I also did some research where I texted students over a period of three weeks to find out what they were doing. And they work. I found that our student body works a lot. It, wow! And it changed the way I saw them, and it's changing the way so I teach you them now. Understanding them, so so you shifted to this kind of oppositional view, yeah, uh, or where they were a project to to love, which is so interesting. I think this applies to anyone with a yeah. business of your clients or your yeah. your customers. Yeah, for you, your customers or your students, right? Right, and, and, right. And so, so and then you also you you won a major award, right? I mean, this whole thing, this innovation in the classroom. Yep. I won three. I won three awards: one for undergrad, one for well, one for lower level accounting, one for upper level, one for a philanthropy project that I did on how a friend and I we created a project where students gave grants and we saw it change their character. Wow. So students giving, part of the class was the mm-hmm. students giving grants out. 
and it changed their character. Yes, it did. How, what did it do? It saw it. What it did was we and we spent, believe it or not, two years trying to find what this did. We knew intuitively there was something good about this project, but all the scales in academia we had didn't show it. Couldn't measure it. Couldn't find it. And I, I saw it actually, you know, the Lord's and everything. There's an expert. His name's Adam Grant. You might have read some of his books. He wrote a book, Give and Take. It's all about how organizations that give are more prosperous. And he just wrote one called The Originals. And I saw him at Wharton. I was there for something. He's walking down the hallway. He said, hey, Adam. I said, can I ask you something? He said, what? I said, I've used your scale. There's something called a pro-social motivation scale. I said, I use your scale, and I can't find anything with these kids. I told him my project. He said, he said, no. He's like, the first change is how they, the first change that happens to people is they see themselves differently. He Mm. said, he said, he said, if you can look for that, he said, wow. you'll find that. And sure enough, the organization. This is the science of generosity, benevolence. Yes. And studying generosity. Cool. Right. And so sure enough, the organization gave us the grant, asked questions about things like, I can make a difference in the world. Like asking wow. students questions like that. And we, can you make a difference in the world? And their answers changed. After. Yes. Statistically significant change. So, so just to be clear, so. They, they ask them the question, can you make a difference in the world? They say no. Mm-hmm. You teach them about grants, and they, they start to give grants, and all of a sudden they answer the question now, can you make a difference in the world? And, the answer is yes. And it was more than giving the grant. It was seeing the people they were giving the grants to because we wow. invited external company um, nonprofits. So grant this grandma would come in oh my who God. raises $250,000 a year to give toys to kids. And the way it started oh is because her husband was in the hospital. So the, so the kids would have to evaluate whether yes. they give her the money. They learn about her nonprofit yes. or 501c3 or whatever. And they go, oh my gosh, this is making a huge difference. And it's just grandma or it's this and little so person see that the one uh, that they can make a difference in the world. And so that but this is all between their ears. It's changing them. It's changing them and that's what Adam Grant told me to do and that's the advantage of knowing people that are, you know, top researchers because you can I, I asked him a question in the hallway and he knew the answer. And he knew what to tell okay. me. So you won 3 awards just to Those just 3 to, to go back, because so you won three awards pretty much right away out of this, and and today, I mean, isn't the shoebox thing become a big deal, where it's like becoming kind of main? It's like integrated all these different. I don't family? I don't know about that because I, I didn't get to write about, it, but people love it. I got to speak about it quite a bit, but it's the idea of the innovation, and then. But my other thing, I had another goal, and that was to become a scholar. And the only way you could, I could see that I could become that, yeah, I can get a PhD. But that doesn't mean that I can become a scholar. It doesn't mean that my research is going to make a difference. Uh, how many academic journals? What do you mean become a scholar? That become published? Is that what you mean when you say Publish, that? Publish, be able to do research. Be Be, be able to do I mean? research well, yeah. Okay. But there's a lot of researchers, and they don't make a difference. Maybe in their little corner, and uh, and. Okay. But so but it's, I want to. It's, it's impact. I want a bigger impact. I don't oh, want. Okay. I want to impact well, on. Just pause for a second. Yeah. Because this is this is influent life, and the whole okay. point is influence. Yeah. It's to to be an influent, to be someone who is yeah. who is influencing others. So you wanted to make an impact. Yes. Now, you know, and I think a lot of people think of this in in selfish terms, or think that 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 would should feel selfish to you, or you're selfish in doing that. But to me, not at all. This is this is this is about simply our God-given mandate, right? To be salt and light. We we must be influential. Yeah. Maybe you're influencing one or two, but yeah. or maybe you're influencing millions. But yeah. Let's whatever we're supposed to we are supposed to be change agents in the earth 
for good. Yeah. Whatever we're doing, right? Whether yeah. it's big or small. So I just want to pause and say this is a this is a good thing, right? For you to have a goal to be influential. And and can I we just can we just agree with that yes. and say, you know, come on everybody. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's set a goal. I love that you did that. Right? I, let's set a goal to be influential. And it's not selfish. It is it's part of our God-given destiny and mandate. Well, I think it came from the inside because when I got hired at this new school six years ago, I even said to my chairperson, well, I was getting this degree in happiness, basically, a master's in applied positive psychology from the University of Pennsylvania. And it was something in, I just knew I had to get this degree. And the, when I got hired, they're like, well, can you take a year off? We want you to simulate. I said, no. I said, if I get in the program, I'm going because I knew in my gut that this is something I had to have mm-hmm. to make that difference. And I told him that, and he's, like, staring at me. And I'm like, I want to make a difference. And he's staring at me like, you know, are you some, you know, kids. You know, when right. people are young, they think about making a difference. Right. And then you get older and you're like. You know, you know again, I'm going to interrupt you. But I, I think to, to, to say I'm going to do a research project that's not going to have an impact, to me, that is selfish. <laughs> right? Because it's about you and about your little research, Right. To make an impact is to change others. Yes. It's to better something. Yeah. It's to change something. So I would say for us to not have a vision is is ultimately more selfish than to say, I want to have a vision and I want to make change and I want to have impact. And, it's, and, and in some ways it's challenging to do because when I first got into this happiness stuff, and I, I made a mission that I could communicate with the world that one of my missions is to help all accountants become happier. Well, that's really easy to communicate. People laugh. And that's when I talk to the accounting world, that's what I say. And it's true. One of my missions is to help all accounts become happier. And at first, it was like pulling teeth. I called the national organization, asked them if they were interested in my research. They didn't return my calls. They didn't return my emails. Nothing. But guess what? June 2016, my research is on the cover of the Journal of Accountancy. And and they have a picture that says, Building the Happy Accountants. It's all about my work. But six years ago, they wouldn't even take my phone call. Wow. They called me, and God did it. I don't even know what happened. I don't even know how I got on their radar, but I did, and it was the Lord. Yeah. And the more they interviewed me, they first interviewed me. They called me and said, um, I thought it was, I just saw someone's writing an article. A journalist called me, and he's like, yeah, can I call you, talk to you? We want to do an article on you. Well, I kind of didn't believe. I thought, well, they must be like, uh, writing about teachers. He calls me, and after about 10 minutes of interview, I said, what is this article about? He says, it's about you. And I said, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, the AICPA thinks you're one of the most innovative professors, you know, in the United States. And I'm like, what? He said, yeah, they assigned me to interview AICPA you, the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants. Wow. I don't even know anyone there. Wow. So I don't even know what happened, and I was well, shocked. It's the research, you know. But it's I don't know what. It's the teaching. It's yeah, it's a favorite. It started with the teaching, but and then I started talking about my research. Then it's oh, we want to do a follow-up interview. Then the editor wrote me and said we want to feature this in the Journal of Accountancy, and I'm like, Lord, that's that's amazing. So he opens the doors. You know, you can, you know, you can knock on them and they're closed, and then yeah. But you know, you know, here's here's my view of that. It's it's like, you know. I've started many businesses. It takes three to five years to build a business. It takes, I think, this whole idea of influence and this, you know, it's, yeah. a, it's a process. It's a growth process. 
you have to stay steady. You have to yeah. be there. You have to work it, and it oh, just yeah. builds on its own over time. Yeah. And there's there's kind of not a lot of ways to speed it up sometimes. Right. And and it's the most important thing is just staying steady. It's being there. I remember when I yeah. started my technology yeah, yeah, business yeah. years ago. Yep trying to get people to return my phone calls and the big companies <laughs> yeah. and all this. And then by the end, we had some of the major companies in the, you know, three to five years later because yeah. we, we were there. We, we had yeah. been to the events. They started to know us. We got a good reputation. We became known. And it just takes time. And then it grows. Then all of a sudden, the Ohio Society CPAs, they want to interview me now. But a couple years ago, they talked to me a little bit, but they weren't ready to feature my work or whatever. And then someone else hears it, and then they want to do a podcast. And it, yeah. and it does grow. And, but it, you know, it, it's amazing to me and it's the timing. All of a sudden the timing just hit and it's like, oh, my research it's, is here I mean, and there. Really, it's hitting now. And yeah. you're really at the top of your game. It's interesting. You're becoming yeah. recognized. You're yeah. having a blast. Yeah. Right. You're having fun in everything you're doing. You're enjoying what you're doing. Yeah. You're being influential. You're bringing God's value system into the planet. Mm-hmm. You're influencing, you know, thousands and thousands of, of, of people. And I'm thinking, what? What sh- how'd you get there? What shifted? Well, and, and you know, I encourage yeah. you to, to listen to the other podcast, yeah. uh, the previous podcast about the becoming. And you really took the time to connect with God. And partly that was clearing off your plate. Yeah. We talked about yeah. buying time. Mm-hmm. And, and partly it was, I think, the other key component. It's inviting God in to your work, right? Where yeah. you started, all the, you, you said it last time and it just so touched me. This idea that God is into your your stuff. stuff. He's into your research. He is. He's into your career. So now if you believe that, you invite God in. Yeah. Right? If God is like, tell me about your research or, hey, let's talk about the <laughs> research of your career, then you want to talk. But if he's like, doesn't care about it, right. well, how can you care about it? Right. So what happens, having that attitude yeah. to me seems key. Where all of a sudden now, it's not a job. Right. It's a mission. Right. Right. Are you are you are you working a job or are you working a mission? And yeah. All of a sudden if God cares about your stuff, you're on a mission. And and he's always changing too. This is the fun part of God. It's like it doesn't just stop here. It's the next thing, the next fun thing, the next thing in my gut that I know I need to do that people may not be responding to, but I know it's the right thing. Because I actually use some of my research to help the state of Ohio. So this is an offshoot, right? I helped the state of Ohio. They took my happiness survey. And it's kind of kooky. And, um, and, and this is neat. So they wanted me to point out their weaknesses. But I said, why? I said, haven't you done that before? Like, organizations do this all the time. Let's do this gap analysis. Let's look at our weaknesses. And I said, haven't you already hired consultants to do this? And they're like, yeah. I said, anything happened? They're like, no. I said, I said, what I want to do is find out what are your strengths for each division, statistically significant different strengths. And I said, and I want to hold um, the seminar and have each group go talk about their strengths and come back and share about that. And, wow. and this woman said to me, and this idea, these ideals haven't been done before, right? This is just like from God. They're just spur of the moment. I'm not even thinking You're them up. making it up. <laughs> yeah. And then she says, oh, I have to talk to the chiefs of the state about this. She had to go to the governor's cabinet. Ask them if I could do this intervention, and they approved it, and we had a blast. And now, but the thing that, I, but I was still lacking one thing. And she went to the Ohio Department of Aging. I wanted to be able to do more for companies, and so I've been learning now. Does something called design thinking, a standardized process, so creativity always happens. 
I learned it. At, I started learning at Harvard. And so my next engagement, I'm adding something to it. We're going to do the happiness thing, but then we're going to use design thinking so we can design a different design a workplace and change the culture. Wow! So it's it's like God's always, you know, you know God's adding something. adding something. He has more neat things. He has you know he leads this way. He's just like I said, he's just into my career. <laughs> and, he, and he's got good ideas. Yes, he does. <laughs> he's got good additions. So, he, so here's but here, here's a point. Here's yeah. the point I want to make, and and you're making it for me. But but it's it's this idea that if we're just working, we're just putting one foot in front of the other. We're showing up for work. We're doing our job. It's we're not going to bring in this divine spark, right? Of creativity. We're not going to bring in this divine. Joy, this divine peace of this this live, vibrant relationship. Now walk with God, right? Yeah. So what happened is when you one you bought time. Yeah. Two, you invited God in because you believed that He was into it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, He really is into it. Well, now He's adding all this crazy stuff. So you have you have crazy ideas. Yes. And it's from God. I mean, you have crazy (laughs) dreams about about new new initiatives and new things because God is helping you in your career. Yes. Giving you crazy crazy ideas and giving you guidance, giving you everything else. But you would never even be open to that if you had never invited Him in. If you didn't see that He was into into your stuff. He yes. He is so into it. <laughs> he is so into it. He's more into it than you are. He is. He loves it. I remember years ago, when before I, you know, before it, in this process, God was, I had so many ideas. I actually asked the Lord, I said, God, I, I, get, I can't even keep up with you. Just stop. And he did. And we went like three days, no ideas. And I said, Lord, I am so sorry. I felt like I hurt his heart. And then I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I... I said, you can tell me all the ideas you want. I said, just, I said, but just give me the capacity to handle it. Wow. And then I felt like this joy come, and then the ideas started coming, and then it seemed like I had capacity. I had the capacity to hear wow. him. And, you know, he doesn't, and, and then the Lord recently showed me how he uses our imagination all the time. And, you know, t- t- the whole thing about our future and vision of faith. I mean, faith takes some imagination, it you does. know, seeing the future. Yeah. And then I do research on hope as well. And then one of the things about science of hope is that when you have hope, you see a future. That's and you good. That you, you create a memory of the future. Wow. A memory of the future. And then your brain works to obtain it. And hope is actually a precursor or predictor of, of professional well-being, happiness at work. It's statistically really? significant. Yes, absolutely. So you've done all this research yes. on hope? And show yes. it to, to be a predictor of happiness at work. That and calling. What to, do you mean? Uh, if you feel that your work is your calling, you will have professional well-being according wow. to job satisfaction profession, and professional well-being. So you've actually published this studies too, right? That's not published. That paper but is a working is, paper. But this is research. Yes. It, so, won, it actually won a best paper last year. Wow. For one of our local, uh, one of our regional conferences, wow. so I'm preparing that manuscript. But the research is there, and with accountants, and then with the um, the Ohio Department of Administrative okay, Services. Marcia. So, okay. so you're a, you're a you're a scientist of creativity and, and, and innovation. Okay, you're a you're a researcher yeah. in innovation and an expert 
in innovation. Well, trying. Yeah, yeah, no, no academic is ever going to call themselves an no, expert. Okay, no, no. Okay. Yeah. Then you've arrived, right? Right. Have I'm going to call you an expert. Okay. Okay. So for all our people out there yeah. who are listening to this and who are saying, I want, I want to connect with God. I want yeah. God to give me ideas. Yeah. I want yeah. Yeah. To, yeah. You know, I think you know, you know what? What are the steps? And I would let me let me just. Let me just answer the question, and you can correct me. But okay. To begin with, at least. Okay. I think, one, it's invite God in. Yes. Right? Yes. You know, two, I think, and I don't even get it, but I think it's joy and thankfulness. Right? It's, it's hearing happens, and kind of God's leadership happens out of a place of, of joy. And just being alive, being happy, it's like, yeah. to me, that's when he speaks and, to me. Enjoying Enjoying, enjoying it, enjoying what what the, you're doing, the experience, yeah, and and then the then the dreaming, right? Just and it, you call it what you what you say, uh, you know, uh, imagination, yeah, right. So just having a, you're kind of you're kind of a whimsical person, in one sense, and you're just you don't mind, you know, I, imagining. I and I'm working on imagination. I started imagining crazy things about heaven. You know, like who's going to prepare the food and. Are we going to be cooking? Now, would you agree with, with, with these things? I mean, so, yeah. I mean, I think you have to build mind space to be creative, right? You, so the buying of time, this is big. you have to have mind space. And it's, it's bigger than that. It's, this is something I do, and I learned it from an expert from Harvard uh, who, who, whose expertise is in creativity. I had a talk with her that you have to make time for creativity. You can't click into it. You can't like be paying your bills and become creative. Yeah, I mean, this is and this is human nature. It's the way we've been designed. Yes. So, so the buying time, as we talked about in the previous podcast, is really important. You have to separate time to be creative. That's why you know I came here is to find that time. Or at home, there's days I just I don't pay bills. You don't answer the phone. You don't do the emails. You find the time. You get into the creative space because your brain it uses a different part of your brain. And I feel like the Lord. You know, use this expert to help me do this. Mm-hmm. So I, I make time for that. So the se- and then I think the second thing is is to invite God in, and I think you have to believe that He's into your stuff. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's so right? core of me. I don't even. How can you be creative if you feel guilty the whole time? Yeah, I don't feel that way. Thank goodness. I mean, I never even thought of like that, but it's so natural to me that I just know He's into everything I do. Right. So it's like He's He's He. he yeah, he okay, is. So you have mind space. You have gotten yes. into your stuff, and then imagination. And now it's freedom. It's, joyful. It's really God's, God's working with me on freeing, freeing from so many obligations that I didn't have to make. You know, just all the time, just keep my mouth shut. I mean, I have to just stop and <laughs> don't make another commitment. Or else you're tied. Because as Christians, that's the thing that gets us. We make these commitments, and we're Christians, then we have to stay to them, right? But we made all the commitments. We, God didn't force us to make all those commitments. And it's like the Lord is saying, just keep your mouth shut for a while. Just don't make another commitment. So um, and unless you can do it. And, you know, at first it was hard, but I think we're so used to saying yes all the time that we don't know how to say no. And... Um, and then sometimes things interfere in our way, and sometimes, and you know, my life belongs to God, and his, and my time's his, right? So I kind of have to be a steward of time. And actually, a couple years ago, you said to me, "You're getting older." You said this to me, but I couldn't believe it. You're getting older. You better make sure you're. you're you make, so you said, "Now you're you're getting older now, so you better make sure your time counts." I was like, 
Oh, my goodness. I'm sure I said it much nicer. No, you didn't. (laughs) And um, I remember sitting there, and I thought about it. I said, you know, he's right. I I need to make this time count. It's interesting. I do, you know, we joke about it. I I really feel the liberty to to speak kind of edgy to you because, you know, it's really just... You know, you receive it so well, and, and I, I do mean it with love, of course. No, it's it's helpful, and I think we need those. They're almost like disciplines. You know, you really, you know, you talk about, um, you know, the fun, but there's a discipline underneath it. But discipline doesn't have to look like it is for everybody else. Like right. people think discipline, people, you get up at six and you pray for this hour, and then you eat, and then you do this. That's a person who's a very, has a focused life. And I admire people like that, but that is not the type of life God has me leading. Right. It's not disciplined life does not mean that you, you're disciplined to make time. You're disciplined to focus on the on the priorities yep. that you have in front of you. So there, there's a discipline, but that's a great point. You know, is it's is it's you know, uh, there's different kinds of discipline. Right. But l- let me finish on this in, on this creativity piece. Okay. And you mentioned hope. You know. Yeah. And I wrote this book called Kingdom Horizon, which is really about hope for the planet. And I yes. think this is something sorely lacking in the Christian culture. It is. It's this, we have this really dim view of the yep. future, dim view of, yep. of the earth, and, and it's really not right. And, and, and what happens is if that's our view, well, then why is God going to be into research and into yeah, exactly. these kind of things? And how, how's God into our influence right. and our being salt That's and light right. if it's all dim, it's all oh, yeah. dark? And so so I think we have to have hope, which is exactly. this, you know, this, you know, this, uh, this, you know, view of the, of a positive future, a bright future for it's us. It's true. And that influenced me too. Thank goodness for it. Because I came into your, the last conference, you talked about the stuff in the book and so now, because too many Christians, let, let's say Facebook, they're always posting the, it, the next apocalypse is about ready right. to happen. And you could get so scared and worried and go into preserving your life and everything else. And because of your what you taught last time, I've been freed from that. Wow. Been freed from this trying to protect me and my home. Wow. You know, and um, it's – and. Yeah, I am. I don't just freak out That's at every, awesome. you know, the election. I freak out about. It. I'm not going to. You're not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. Yeah, and well, and because honestly, as much as we try to talk about it in other terms, it's fear. It is fear. It's fear of the future. Yeah, exactly. And we can couch it in all these biblical phrases, but at the end of the day, it's worry and it's fear. Yeah. And fear is one of the greatest enemies because I've heard you. Okay. Of creativity, exactly. You, you can't think. You can't. If you enter into fear, you can't think. You can't. It shuts down all shuts the normal every, processes. Everything in, the brain. in your brain, and all you do is it's fight or flight, right? And that's what a lot of Christians are doing. They're going to fight. We're going to fight, or they're going to run and hide somewhere. And um, there and so you it, are. It shuts down all the creativity. Yeah. So it's real important to get to to answer these questions definitively in our own lives about our future and is yeah. there hope for our future that's right so you know uh, you would think as christians we'd have a leg up but it seems like sometimes we have a leg down you know right and we have a leg up because we have the holy spirit and it's that's not right. fair to everybody who doesn't have the holy spirit because i've got wisdom in me i've got creativity that's in right me. i've got all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and creativity and, are hidden in me, in Christ, or in Christ in me, right? And so we've got this leg up, but we've got to get our paradigm. 
facts. And how to share. Like even my students in my class, I say, I see a good future for you. Wow. And, and no one says that. And sometimes students will write, I don't even know who they are. I mean, I'll read my, my vows and like even the last ones, a student wrote, Dr. Huber is my favorite teacher. She's influenced me so much. Wow. I don't even know who the student is. Like, who is this person? Wow. But it's just because of your communicating your, or telling students, I like you guys, instead of like, I think you're terrible. I like the positive you. Positive versus the negative. Yeah, I you do know, like so, them. So you heard this content in this book I just, I just wrote. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you said it's completely shifted you it, from fear. Fear, exactly. Into, wow. I don't. I don't think about it. I don't even give it a place. And my thought is, if wow. it gets that bad, we just have to trust the Lord. I don't care how much food and, you and have. What's, what's what happened? Food is, and yeah. Once the sphere is gone, what's yeah. been produced now? I don't. I don't know. I can keep going forward. You know. I mean, <laughs> advancing. There I don't. I don't enter into that. I don't debate with people about it. I talk to Christians. You know. The, yeah. Even at my fellowship, you know, some Christians are all up in arms, and I'm like, I was like, you know, I don't even think about it. No. <laughs> but and why should I? I mean, God's word is very clear about his role in the government, his role in the world. Yeah, I I am (laughs) going to give him a book. But God's so clear about everything that we don't have to worry. He says we don't. Yeah. He says that. He's not worried. And to relieve myself of that worry. Yeah, I, mean, I was a Y2K person. I mean, I was ready. Hey, who so, <laughs> so, you know, I don't want to do that again. And, but it's, it's, God wants us to be free so that people in the world can even say, it's nice that Christians say, some guy was saying the other day, he's like, how do you be happy? He's asking me these questions. And I'm like, I didn't even realize I was that happy that he'd be asking me these questions. And um, I must have been. And, and, and I was just like, yeah, it, it, it took a while. It took a while. I was not a happy Christian when I came here 16 years ago. Wow. I didn't even know I could be happy. And now you're just you're so yeah, full of life. God did so it. Full of, full of joy. And God it's wants awesome. us to be happy. I mean, I thought he didn't. Marsha, such a <laughs> such a great time with you yeah, today. Thank and, you. And it's amazing. We learned in the previous podcast about about buy time and about freeing up mind mm-hmm. space. This time we learned about really how to invite God in and and find creativity mm-hmm. and. Um, absolutely amazing and god wants to build our success and yeah so just god bless you so yes, amazing to you. hear about your research yeah and, and it's so <laughs> cool to see you in your power alley go girl all right awesome. all right thank bless you. you thank you for being with us